Let's get into the Word of God this morning. We are busy with a series, uh, Nehemiah for the City. We believe that God has called us for this city to establish His purposes in this city. And we also said that the church is the city of God within a city. And within that city of God, there are many cities which is our lives being built up into what God has for us. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at prayer and how that's critical. We looked at receiving a God vision. Last week, Pete did a phenomenal job to talk to us how, how it looks like when we build together as families. This family, beside this family, beside this family, beside this family. And amazing to hear the testimony this morning that 87 families are saying, hey, we monthly build into the investment of the city of God in the kingdom of God. And this morning, we're gonna move into chapter four. Now, to set us up, Things are going really well in the story so far. Nehemiah got the vision and he trusted God for the moment and then he went to the king and off he goes back to Jerusalem with the vision to rebuild and, and he's being sent by a Babylonian king who is truly against the people of Israel but this king sends him with provisions. This king sends him with a royal absence of, of leave. It's like, okay, you can take some leave from work. There you go. This king sends him with an with an escort of a kingly army. So things are really going well. I think Nehemiah was wondering, like, God, you're making me prosper. This is pretty amazing. I didn't expect this. And then we see in chapter four that a couple of days in, Pete said last week, 52 days to complete the whole wall. They were probably maybe at day 26. They're halfway in and the people had a mind to build. If I was Nehemiah in that position, I would have thought, yes, this is prosperous. This is amazing. And then, as with any good story, there's a plot and there's a change of plan. Because in chapter four, it all of a sudden changes a little bit. Up until this point, it's just it's going well and there's prosperity. And then there's a twist in the plot in chapter four when the enemy arises against these people building up. And, and you have to ask the question, but why? Lord, couldn't it have just been an easy way all the way wall is done? Because that's really the purpose of the end. But I believe God allowed the enemy to rise up because he wanted to work in the people's lives. He didn't just want the people to build a city. He wanted to build into the people. He didn't want a completed city with a people that's faithless and didn't know how it is to trust God amidst all these challenges. And the Bible is full of this concept that he allows the enemy and these trials and tribulations and things that face us because God is building something in us. It would have been a miss if Jerusalem was beautifully rebuilt and within it were citizens that didn't have Christ-like character, that weren't formed by opposition, that didn't allow God to teach them faith in the midst of trial and tribulation. And that's really the story of life. Each one of us have our stories of where God was building faith into us and things became a little bit more interesting than what we hoped for. So let's read together chapter four. We're gonna read all of it out of the ESV. It'll be up on the screen or you can follow in your Bibles. Now when Sanballat heard we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of, of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn once at that? 
Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he will break it down, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come up and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So in the lowest part of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the wall, the whole house of Judah, who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. They work 24 hours, these people. So neither I, nor my brothers, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes, each kept his weapon at his right hand. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning as we look at this passage that you would speak to us, that you would anoint your word, and that we would be people who keep, keep on keeping on for the sake of your kingdom and the purposes that you've called us to. May you preach as we look at your word in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning I want to title my message, Halfway is Not All the Way. These guys were halfway in the vision that God has given them, but it's not yet all the way. And I want to start with a question. How many of us stop the moment we find opposition? Because this was clearly the plan of the enemy. Let's stop this work right here, right now, so that they can stop building. 
And when we walk and we build with God and he builds into our lives and we meet Jesus and he's building us up and then the first enemy comes against us, what do we do? Do we stop and say, ah, oh, this Christian thing is not for me? Or do we push through and say, God, you've got to help me and build something into me? When we are establishing his church in this world and in this community and we've got some difficult moments to navigate, what do we do? Do we stop and say, ah, there's an enemy? Or do we say, well, we're only halfway. There's a finish mark. We're going to keep building. There's a tension here that we don't stop building when we are in a battle. And it's interesting to see that the very first thing that Nehemiah did, he spoke about prayer and position. The first steps to counter opposition is prayer and position. Verse 9, the enemy was rising up against him and it said, and we prayed to our God. And I looked at that and I asked myself the question, is that my first response when opposition rise up against me? Or do I go into the frantic peer mode of stressing and worrying? And then not only did they pray, but they positioned themselves in all the places where they could withstand the enemy. Our position today as followers of Jesus is in Christ. And it's, we've got to understand just as an entry level this morning that prayer and position is the first steps to us fighting the battle that we might find in front of ourselves. And it's the very first thing that the enemy wants to come and take away from us. So I don't know where you are at in your battle this morning or if you are in a battle, but you've got to ask yourself the question, am I positioned in Christ and am I praying? And then it goes on and there's a whole lot of strategy that God gave them that we're going to look, up, look at at the moment. But it's fundamental to know that our prayer to God, and Ricky preached on this two weeks, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. And our position in Christ is essential for us to fight from there. But then I want to move on and say, don't give up when the enemy rises up. That's the, the core of the message this morning, that clearly the enemy is never, ever happy when God builds in us, our individual, a house for God to dwell, and he takes us into deliverance and to, into the next steps, and we are being sanctified daily and being created into the image of God, the enemy doesn't like it. Even more so, he doesn't like it when we all come together and say, God, we're going to establish and build something for your kingdom in this town and this community. The enemy is going to rise up. Even more so when we say, God, we want to take this gospel message into the world and what you do here, we've got to share out to other peoples. The enemy doesn't like it and he is surely going to rise up. The question we've got to ask is, do we stop building when we are battling? And we've got to respond with a resounding no. And I believe this morning as we look at why they kept building, that God would help you move if you're in a place of battle so that you can truly say, I'm going to keep building in the purposes of God for me personally, for the church, and for the kingdom. The question I want to ask this morning, why do we only measure victory by reaching the end? Could Christ-like character that he forms in us in hard times be a victory? Could it be okay? You know what, I thought about this. I look across this room. I know so many stories in this, in this hall this morning of people that are really battling sickness financial challenges can't find work relational breakdown with their children or in their marriage and they haven't given up yet some of you would be alarmed if I had to share some stories of people in our church this morning who said you would never know because all I see is joy hope 
perseverance, Christ-like character. And I wanna commend all of you this morning, and I believe the Holy Spirit would, would speak to your heart if that's you, for keeping on, keeping on, because you realize I'm only halfway. There's still a finished job for me to do in the kingdom of God. Because we believe that there's an end. And the message this morning is, are you gonna only go halfway? And when the battle rises up, just say, I'm giving up. Or are you gonna say, God, give me a clear view of what you are doing? So I believe if I keep pushing through, I'm gonna fulfill all the purposes that God has for me in my generation. How do we do this? Well, let's look at the example in this chapter. There are four positions that I wanna to speak to you about. The first one is the enemy's position. We've gotta identify how the enemy works. The enemy's position is one of anger, mockery, and confusion. It said that they were enraged. Isn't that what the Bible says about the enemy? Walking around like a lion, ready to destroy whoever he can find. See, when we're building the purposes of God in our own walks individually, in the church and greater into the kingdom, there's an angry enemy out there. We would be ignorant to think that we're not gonna face opposition. He's angry and he's against us. Secondly, there's a mockery and a jeering. I spoke about this today, this morning. It's amazing how we, we're so scared to witness to the world because they're gonna laugh at us, the Christians. We're so scared to stand for truth because they might throw us in jail. Not yet, guys. In the New Testament, these guys were thrown into jail at every opportunity. They had to walk on the streets in the Roman Empire and when you pass someone that is for the Roman Empire, they had to say, I am for Caesar. And within these environments, they said, I am for Christ. And it could have cost them their lives in that moment. Today, when we stand for truth as a church, the voices of our friends, our families, of those on the outside come against us and it mocks us like, ah, those Christians, oh, those church people. It's part of the voice of the enemy that's making us Stop building. So many people have listened to those voices and they've excluded themselves from the faith community of being in a church. We can't listen to those voices. And then it brings confusion. I love chapter three. It says, this family was building beside this family, was building beside this family, was building beside this family. They were covering all the breaches. And this is one of the enemy's favorite tactics. If I can just get in between those two families and do this, I can cause some confusion that they're gonna stop building. I'm gonna come against the unity that they are showing. Let's go back to the very beginning when the people united to build a tower and God said, well, if these people put their minds to it and they're in unity like this, they can do anything. You see, the enemy knows the power that is within the church of Jesus, that if we build together and if you're in a place of brokenness and a brother comes next to you and says, I'm gonna build with you, I'm gonna see you victorious, I'm gonna come through, the enemy doesn't like it and he brings confusion and he might just whisper to you like, you know what, Eugene has got something against you and we take offense and all these other things and then the enemy stands back and he's up and then we fight against one another. See, let's identify how the enemy works. It's important. 1 Timothy 3 verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone, you are gonna face moments of opposition because the enemy is angry. You are gonna face moments where you know you're gonna have to speak the truth and people are gonna laugh. 
and think you're crazy and think you are nuts. And you know what I love is when there's really pe clever people around us, and they are, I'm not one of them, but people who really has a mind to think and reason. And they've studied years and these books and they, they see all these things and they still say, you know what's the most beautiful story is the simplicity of the gospel? You see, the world doesn't see it, so they're gonna mock you. You will be persecuted when you're building for God. And I wanted us to stand there, that there is an enemy, and we're not gonna give him more honor than he's due. Once I had a friend of mine who shared this story. He was about to go lead worship at his church. And on the way there, everything's cool, gets on, on stage, gets ready. Oh, he forgot his guitar at home. So he rushes back home to get his guitar. And on the way back, he goes and the car stalls because he didn't put petrol into the car the day before. So he goes back to the church and eventually, after 40 minutes wasted, he's all flurried up and the intercession team came and they prayed for them. And then the one lady said, yeah, the enemy is really busy this morning. And he's like, no, the enemy is not busy. I've just been stupid. I forgot my guitar and I didn't put petrol into the car. Let's not blame the enemy here. See, some of us might have a greater view of the enemy and we kind of elevate his work. He's not as powerful as you think. He's not omnipresent as God is. Let's re be reminded of that. This is important. Some of us think the enemy is everywhere. He's not omnipresent. God is. And surely he has got demons and guys going around for him, but he is not God, which is in every circumstance, every situation, all the time. So it's good that we have a balanced view that there will be an enemy, but let's not elevate him higher than what we ought to. The second position I want to talk about was the people's position in this moment of opposition. I want to ask you a question. Do you think that God is unaware of your humanity? Do you for one moment think that the one who created you knows not what you feel and how you think when things are tough? He's so intimately involved in our lives that he knows how many hairs are on our head. Can any of you in this room tell me how many hairs are on your head? So if this God who looks at me, Pierre, says, Pierre, I can tell you there are 5,937 and a half hairs on your head. And I know that when you're feeling down, that you probably want to give up. And I know that this past season has been really tough for you. God knows that we are humans and there's a humanity involved. And it's for that very reason that he chooses us to do something for him. Because then his glory is displayed. Then it's not us who get the accolades and the praise and the boasting then it's God, even in my weakness, even in this opposition, even in me wanting to give up halfway, you step in because you know I'm human and you help me through it. So what were these people's human response in this moment? Fatigue and fear. And isn't that exactly the place that the enemy absolutely loves to come in and bring confusion and anger and mockery? That moment where you are really tired, and God's been building, met Jesus, and you've been walking with him. And there's this one thing that you can now have victory over. And then there's just that one night that you are tired. And then the enemy leans in, says, just switch on the television. No one's going to know. And he brings in confusion again. It might be that you've been building for a very long time. And you're just really tired. 
and you're in leadership and you're serving with other people and you've been here for the entire 13, 14 years and you believe in what God is doing and every nation sounds a waste and just at one moment you're a little bit tired and someone that you've been walking with for 14 years says something that upsets you and you're tired and then the enemy wins. You see, fatigue is always one of those areas that we've got to put up our guard and say, God, we're not gonna let our tiredness of fighting, of building, of going on, of establishing what you've called us to do be a way in for the enemy. Let's identify that this morning. And then the second one is fear. It said that the guys in Judah were shouting 10 times, you need to come over this side. The enemy is on their way. It wasn't a, let's write a letter to Nehemiah on the other end and send a messenger to get the message. They were shouting 10 times, not only once, come hither. The enemy is on their way. That's my best Hebrew for this morning. The enemy is on their way 10 times because they were in panic and they were in fear. So the people's position were perfect for the enemy to come in and raise opposition. But I, wanted, I, want, I want you to get the clear, the clear view on what you do in a moment like that. James 4 verse 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When we feel like that, we've got to ask the question, am I submitted to God? That means, in other words, that my life is in right standing, that I've dealt with my sin, even if it was yesterday, I've repented and I've returned, that I'm in position with him, that I'm prayed up and I'm under his authority. It's a little bit like the Almighty going ahead of us and we're standing right behind his back and we're saying, we're submitting to you. And from that position, we can look around and say, enemy, flee. And the enemy has to go. Sadly, we let our fatigue and our fear be the thing that we submit under. And then the enemy stands and keeps on standing. We've got to get to that place where we know that we have to submit to God. David was chased down by Saul and he ran from cave to cave running away for his life. And then there was a moment where he went into a place where Saul was and he cut a piece of Saul's robe just to prove to Saul that he could have beaten him in that moment and killed him. But David didn't do it. Why not? Because he was submitted to God for the right time that God would make him king. It's another key that we've got to learn here. We can't run ahead of God for what he is doing. We've got to keep submitting to him. And sometimes God is missing in our thought life. We face the challenge, we face the opposition, and we don't think, you know what, if I just submit to God and everything he has, I'll get through to the other side. Daniel bowed down every single day before God publicly because he knew that God has promised him everything he has promised him until the end. And some of you need to hear this this morning. Keep submitting to God because everything that happens in your life when you start following him, is either by his doing, or if not, it's by his allowing. He allows the enemy, let's look at the story of Job, sometimes to bring opposition. Why? Go back to the beginning, clear picture, so that he can form in us a Christ-like character and a faith that can withstand. And sometimes in his sovereignty, it's just him being really involved in our lives. So when we submit to all of that, then only we are in a position to say to the enemy in Jesus' name, go. 
Some of us need to go back to this place. Even in our worship this morning, we say, God, I just submit under your holiness. I submit under your power. I submit under your all-knowing presence. I'm not gonna walk around calling what you should be doing. I'm just gonna say, God, you do what you have to do. And then from that position, we can tell the enemy to flee. The third thing that we see here is the leader's position. There's the enemy, there's the people, and then there's leadership. This is the way God designed life. This is the way he designed his church. This is the way he let his people be led to places is through leadership. And the leader's voice comes into this moment of opposition and he speaks life again, speaks vision again, speaks hope again. It's so sad to see where people remove themselves from leadership and how they just fall by the wayside and the enemy has an amazing time in breaking them down. Leadership is there to bring communities together. It's to cast vision. And we see how Nehemiah reminded the people, he regrouped them, and he redeclared the vision. He reminded them with these words. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Some of us are fighting and we just need to hear a voice again saying, but remember God. That's why moments like this is important and running into our week where we do groups is where there's leadership to say, guys, let's remember God and that he is awesome. And from that position, fight for your brothers, for your sons, from your daughters, for your wives, and for your homes. And then we see how he regrouped them into the right places. And then we ultimately see how he says, now let's continue to build because there's a vision that God has given for us. We've got to complete. We're only halfway. It's in that place that we find safety against our opposition. And what I mean by leadership is not simply just the church leaders and elders. God has given us wisdom in his church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So there's the fivefold ministry. He equips other saints, life group leaders, ministry leaders, deacons, to go and be leadership in people's lives. And sometimes leadership is simply Dave stepping into my life and saying, Pierre, I see something that you're not seeing. Can I just redeclare what God has called you to? Can I just remind you who God is? That's why the Bible says, submit to one another. So the place that we, we find ourselves sometimes, we isolate ourselves from this environment of leadership and community, we try and fight the devil there, it's gonna mean your end, it's gonna mean your death. Let's be reminded that God has given leadership for us in moments like this. Nehemiah said, I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we his servants will arise and build. It's important to know that there's a voice of leadership in moments where the opposition is against us that keeps us going on and saying we can make it. And then the last position is what's God's position on all of this? Do you believe, and I want you to think about this deeply, do you truly believe that all authority has been given Christ? Because that is the position that God is in. That means that what the enemy does is under the authority of Jesus. So where he allows it, or there's a season of opposition, it's good because he's God and he's allowing it. Do you believe that he can step into any circumstance and tell that mountain to move right now and it will? Do you believe that we are then under the authority of Jesus, therefore we have faith to step in and look at a mountain and say, mountain move 
and we will see it happen. See, God's position was right there at the end of the story where the city was rebuilt and he never moved from that position. Some of us have got a little idea of God and we think he's not gonna come through because it's been years that we've been crying out. And you've gotta stretch your view of God again and know that his position is one of ultimate authority and he is above it all. Just go read the Old Testament to really understand that. Those concepts of God being sovereign and above everything in this earth. You know what? I love Psalm 139. It says, even darkness is like light to him. Even night as day. So from God's perspective, he's still seeing light. He's still seeing daytime. Even if it feels like darkness and nighttime to us, his position is one of light. And the Bible says the righteous will walk from light to light until the full bloom of day. There's gonna come a moment where it's so clear and we've reached the end of our journey. And then we see from God's position, he steps in and he does what only he can do. He frustrates the plan of the enemy. He comes and he, he, he works on our behalf and he gives us strategies and ideas and he speaks to us through leadership and through community. And then the, the plans of the enemy are suddenly not there anymore. Did you notice that nowhere in Nehemiah 4 they actually fought a battle? Because Nehemiah knew, and I want to take us back to where I started, through prayer and position, he knew what to do and how to regroup the people. And he grouped, regrouped them in such a way that they didn't even have to lift their swords up once. And I want to remind you that the swords we're carrying today is the word of God. If you don't want to know how you fight, this is your sword. And you don't build by putting down the sword. You keep the sword right here. You build with it on your side the whole time. And when things are tough, you pull it up and you say, Psalm 139, Lord, you say that I'm in darkness, but you know what? To you, it's light. Lord, so I thank you that the light has come through Jesus. And we take the word and we proclaim his promises. And then I love Nehemiah's final resolve. He says, our God will fight for us. We're not gonna fight because our view out of our own strength is very limited. But God is standing on this side. He says, come my children, keep going, keep building, keep being strong, keep pressing through because on this side, I see the enemy, I see their plans and it's not a match to you. When you have my spirit in you, the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in us. If we can live from this position and see God clearly through our opposition, we will get to the other side and there will be breakthrough for each one of us. And that's the message of Nehemiah 4. Let's not end halfway, let's go all the way. And I wanna end with this declaration. Faithful building on God's behalf is backed by victorious battle on our behalf. So the church of God, every nation sometimes always, this spiritual family, can we remain faithful to build even though we might fight some opposition? And we remain faithful to build in our own walk with Jesus of sanctification. Can we remain faithful in building into the nations of the world and reaching beyond our borders? Because if we do that faithfully, God is going to stand and He will fight on our behalf. There might be some battles that you never faced. Have you ever considered this? That God is in His providence frustrated way before it could ever come to your front door. 
There might be battles that lasted a day. And you're like, thank you, Lord, made it through. There might be battles that last for years. Think about Zechariah and Elizabeth who wanted a baby. And then Mary got pregnant. And eventually God did the same for her. Think about Sarah and Abraham. The battle. God, but you gave us a promise. You're standing here and you're saying, you will be the father of the nations. And they were here halfway walking with God and saying, ain't no baby. Ain't no fathership. Years advanced in age. Senior burgers. And then God says, I'm God. Nothing will thwart my purposes. Nothing will thwart my purposes. Nothing will stand against my purposes. Nothing will stand against my purposes in your life. Nothing will come against the purposes and the plans I have for you. Nothing will stand in the way from you building only to a certain point. You can build all the way. Would you believe me that you can? That's the invitation this morning.